This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, July 18th. This is episode 385. My name is Dan Ellis, joined by two awesome Mr. Co-hosts. That would be uh, Mr. Awesome Co-host number one, the mustachioed and behatted Mr. Duffy. I know that guy. That's this one. And Mr. Co-host Awesomeness Mr. Two, uh the the grinning grin. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't quit your day job for the WWF. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> and in this corner. <laughs> grinning grin. <laughs> Oh, that's such a menacing name to the grinning grin. He'll come and get oh, you. No. He'll get you with a smile or a grin. The grin oh, that wins. Oh. <laughs> How in the heck are you guys? I'll, I'll, I'll say this much. Hmm. If it gets any hotter out, I will be woodworking in the garage naked. I would your neighbors like that? I mean, they got lots of chickens running around. I, just True, there, there's a bunch of other cocks in the neighborhood. <laughs> so you'll have a pecker pecking at your pecker. Yeah, but I've also decided that if anyone else is interested in Ryan Wood turning naked, tickets will be for sale. Mm, okay, noted. Got to fund that bail money. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I have definitely. Cow. I've definitely cooked in nothing but an apron this last week, so I get it. See, I would still have that. I still have my 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 wood turning my apron on. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you stand in your in your house, like if you if I walked upstairs and walked wide into my living room and then into my bedroom naked, and a neighbor saw it, is is that wrong? Mm. Um. um no. Everyone's looking in. So if I'm in my garage naked, mm-hmm. someone happens to look over into my garage, into my property. Mm-hmm. It's at at ground me. level, you've got less of an expectation of privacy that way. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't want to see it, they shouldn't have looked. But it's clearly visible from the road. So but yeah, if I they didn't want to see it, they shouldn't have looked. <laughs> I don't think that the that's a positive defense that you can that you can offer. What if I put a sign in my front yard that says "Don't look in the garage"? I, mm, I don't think that would I don't think that would help either. I I don't want to bill Andrew. <laughs> not in public, so it's not public indecency. I'm in my private residence. No, yeah, you'd still you'd still get in trouble for that. I'm I'm sure of it. Your wow. your photons are traveling from the privacy of your garage out in the public. Mm-hmm. So it has been super fucking hot here and a lot of other places though. Yesterday, uh, Salt Lake City tied its all time record high, not just for that date, but like yeah. forever, like throughout the year, 
that was the hottest. We we tied the hottest record in Salt Lake City yesterday at 107 yeah. degrees. That's where I I told Taylor I I took a snapshot because at first it said new alt or new July 17th record at 105 degrees in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and like two hours later said all time record tied at 107 degrees. It's like yeah, it's fucking right. hot out there. I'm like I am standing still at my lathe. And I'm sweating. I think we have even hotter days usually in August, don't we? Like July is definitely hot, but I think August is our hottest month overall. August is the worst month on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So August is going to be fucked. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's always boggled me that August is hotter, even though it's well after the um, uh, solstice. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the axial tilt. The equinox, yeah, yeah. Or is it the equinox, or is it the yeah. solstice? Because I thought that's the high point of the thing. Whereas the equinox is when the day is equal in both directions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I um, basically only know this by context of pagan holidays, but I thought like midsummer <laughs> and you know Christmas ish time were uh, solstices, and then Halloween and no, no Halloween yeah. and midsummer are those equinoxes. are the solstices. They're equal axes as far as the amount of daylight you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure that that we just encountered the the longest day of the year, and they are now getting shorter. Okay. Whoa, fun! Yeah, and it's very hot there in Italy as well. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, it was like it's been in like the high 30s all week. Don't use Celsius, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude, that's it's pushing 40 out here. Oh, fuck. That's, I would rather it be 40 degrees Fahrenheit. It's, um, it's actually like 75 degrees right now because it's nighttime, and I want nothing more than to throw open my windows and just let the cool air run through the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but my landlady has been dragging her feet on installing some, um, uh, windows. No. What What do you call those things? The mesh thing. Oh, like that, screens. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Like screens in the window. Cause those are not standard oh. in Italy. Um, oh. uh, you have to like specially request that. Um, and I did, and then I got sick and it just sort of fell off the radar. Um. So you would just have birds or bugs or whatever else. Yes, your apartment as well. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And and avocado could just jump two stories down and disappear forever. Ah. So yeah, because bird. Be, that would be not terrific. No, it would not. Not at all. So I I have requested screens and have not yet got them. Mm. Uh, but I bothered her earlier today. And she's like, we have to order these from America because we don't have them in Italy. Oh, no. She needs to bring in a carpenter to, like, measure the windows and then make a screen that's, like, fitted to the window. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, this is not good talk for radio. But, yeah. my <laughs> <laughs> Basically, windows are really different out here than they are in the States. Like, re- just fundamentally different. So yeah, it's a whole ass thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, fun. Uh, what what's new other than other than it being hot and you trying to get some screens for your windows? 
Um, same old stuff. I actually went to Ikea earlier today and I finally will have like a kitchen table and a nice little reclining chair and uh, a computer desk. So I, I'm doing phase two of furnishing my apartment, which will be very nice because I've been just doing everything in either my bedroom or kitchen counter like a college student. And that's getting <laughs> tiring quickly. Oh. Like I'm recording this episode sitting on my bed with the computer on a TV like tray roller doodly do um, because that's all you the got. only option I have. <laughs> That'd be great for your back too, right? Oh, it's delightful. I'm, I'm leaned up against like a pillow on the back of my bed right now. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, starting to furnish your place and, and yeah. are willing to, you know, be in some discomfort to join us for the episode. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I can, I can shift around every once in a while. I, I mute the mic and change position. So, yeah. And what's new with you, Mr. Duffy? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's another week and it's, uh, fuck, I was, I was trying to think of one off the top of my head of doing with like, as the time turns, mm-hmm. but I was, but, but I was going to do it with the lathe and it just joke didn't land because I couldn't think of it soon enough. So <laughs> I'm making more wood stuff as, as the lathe turns, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know where this is going. This is horrible. Like sends to the hourglass of time. Yeah. Or, or 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 sawdust through the grooves of my such, fingers. Such are the days of Ryan's life. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I decided to make candles. Sarah mm-hmm. kind of spurred us on because she's been make uh, collecting a lot of lavender lately, and then we learned we can't actually make that into any kind of scented stuff, but we can put it in candles and make it look fancy as fuck. Mm-hmm. So Why I took lavender because our lavender bushes mm-hmm. are growing like fucking crazy. Oh, so yeah. growing like yeah. our lavender is growing really really good mm-hmm. that and the zucchinis are going crazy uh but i bought all this stuff and i i I, tur- I was turning some uh little things i can make little wooden things that we can melt some wax and put wicks into as little wooden candles mm. well that's fun I thought that'd be nice little things little scented candle type dealios that we could sell at the farmer's market as little you know probably rather inexpensive pieces versus some of the other things I turn that are very more expensive thingies <laughs> that are very more expensive thingies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause mm-hmm. if I take a piece of wood that literally cost me nothing and sell it for 15 bucks, mm-hmm. I can still make profit on that versus buying a piece of wood for $200. I need to sell that for a lot more money. Hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Cool, cool. Uh, there's not much new with me. Well, th- well, there's there's like nine pounds. I think it was nine pounds one ounces uh, new in my life. I am I am an uncle again. Oh, oh. Tracy's youngest brother and his wife uh, had their baby over the weekend. Um, she was she was actually due last Sunday mm-hmm. and. Did not happen, did not happen, waited all week, nothing happening. So they schedule her to be induced on yesterday, yesterday ah, on Monday. And, and of course, as soon as Tracy told me, you know, oh, the, you know, she's, she's gone a week now. So they're going to have her come in on Sunday and they'll induce her at like 11 or whatever. 
And I'm thinking to myself, oh, sure. Well, now that they've scheduled it, she's just going to go into labor overnight. And I didn't say it, but that is indeed what happened. (laughs) Right. Middle of the night, she started having contractions. So they went into the hospital and like, as soon as they got into the hospital, her water broke. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they delivered uh, a very healthy, very large baby. uh, Well, I I get the point. You're kicking me out. I'll just fucking come on my own free will. Don't fucking do this. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> get your damn hands off me, man. I'll come out. Fine. Closing time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's a very cute kid. Uh, lots of hair already for for such oh, a young thing. Had an extra week of growth in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how my younger brother was born. Full head of red hair. And now he's, you know. <laughs> Normal-ish. Uh, old my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, this kid has giant hands and feet and ears and a, like a whole, a full head of hair that's like an inch and a half long already. You it's surely like didn't get on the cover of Mad down? Magazine. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like Alfred E. Newman with a little, <laughs> little, sure. little bit of Spanish mixed in there. Yeah, little little Mexican in there. Uh. <laughs> Uh, so tonight we are going to be talking about atheism a bit more and how we all came to atheism from our previous beliefs, if we had any, or how we ended up where we are now learning things and discovering the world around us a bit more. That should be fun. Oh yeah. More to it. Uh, we've, we've talked about this in the past, but it's been quite a while and we're seeking a return a bit to more godlessness. <laughs> And because I think, I think we can point directly at a lot of the world's ills these days and say, oh, religion's behind that. Oh, religion's behind that. Religion's the thing that's fueling that and motivating people to act in these asinine, stupid, backward, ridiculous ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like during the former guy's years, everyone, like every podcast I listened to got caught up in this like horse race of just reporting like what's going on in politics Mm -hmm. and that's important um but yeah like you said dan i think some root cause analysis and getting back to basics in that regard you know if christian nationalism is in fact the problem with our country then i want to get back to atheism as the like solution to that problem Um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah it's exciting yeah i'm very much looking forward to it We'll get that going as soon as we get back on the other side of this little break. Hi, everybody. This is Mikey Weinstein. I'm the founder and president of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. So this is my question. Yeah. <laughs> when, thank you. When um, Christian religionists and um, evangelicals say to me, but you don't understand, we have a mission for you. You need to be saved. You must accept Jesus Christ or you cannot be saved. What shall I answer them? Look, well, I mean, the second of the question is very easy to answer. I mean, uh, tell me to fuck off. <laughs> 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Welcome back, everybody. So we're going to be talking about our baby atheist origin stories. <laughs> our superhero origins. <laughs> There definitely was crying involved, so. <laughs> and, and I know, so so Ryan wasn't ever really religious. And no. so I figured it would be good to start with you. And then you you said when in the in the off recording airtime that we were just chatting, that you have some other stories you wanted you wanted to tell us about. So let's start with you. How how did you come to identify that you're an atheist and, and be more outspoken about it? Well, I mean, well, so I, I never grew up in religion. My parents never forced us to be religious. I actually can remember being a kid and in and, and meeting people that were rather religious and being like, oh, wow, that person's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know what that whole deal is about. Like, I don't know. Like, I never had any inkling growing up that Christmas was about Jesus mm-hmm. or Easter was about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like, as a kid, I was oblivious to fucking all of that. So was it all just about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny? Yeah. Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, gifts, chocolate eggs. Uh, none of it. There's no, like, I I don't think I'd ever went to church until high school. Mm-hmm. It was my first time That's ever awesome. going into a church with friends. And even then, it was kind of being like where people were... Uh, giving like not like the LDS where they're doing their uh, uh their testimonies but when they're like hey what kind of blessings have you received this week and it's kind of like <laughs> really like so and so cancers are in remission and that's a blessing why the fuck did they have cancer in the fucking first place how yeah. blessed were they to get fucking cancer <laughs> thanks god i appreciate it yeah and like a lot of it to me was like this it didn't make sense to me when I was learning what other people actually thought, like learning, Oh, people actually think this shit is real. This isn't just shit in a fucking movie. So you were aware that like people are religious and then they're like, they can be very, very devout and super weird about it. Yes. And no, because in Wisconsin, people don't outwardly wear their religion on their sleeves. Mm hmm. Like they do here in Utah. Yeah. So I grew up where someone might be very devoutly religious, Uh but they don't make it all about that all the fucking time. Like they don't have to shove that down your fucking throat. Yeah. Uh, And so like, like the one story I wanted to relay, which I thought was interesting because it also comes through a friend who told me how I helped change him with my way of thinking in high school. Mm hmm. So our senior year of high school, one of our friends got killed in a car wreck. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. And uh, actually, that was my very my very first tattoo was dedicated to him. Yeah. And one of my friends, like when, when we're going through the whole grieving process and all that kind of thing, you know, having it at a church, you know, the whole, you know, he's in a better place, blah, 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 all that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine said to me like later on, like literally like 10 years later, he's like, you know, you're the only one that has ever said this. And it made, as soon as you said it, when we were in high school, it made complete sense. 
Because mm-hmm. when everyone else was like, Jacob's in heaven, you know, it's it's going to be okay. You were the only one that said, no, he's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. He's gone. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you were the only one that said that. And that was what kind of shocked me. I was like, yeah, because I don't believe there's anything after this. Like, that's why I'm like, there's no heaven. There's no hell. There's none of that. You have what you have. When you're gone, you're fucking gone. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you were the first one to ever actually say that out loud or I heard say anything like that. And he's like, that is what changed like my course to be more like, oh shit. I think Duffy's right. Like I've thought it, but not in the same context being like, he's gone. Like everyone, when you're, when you're done, you're done. He's like, I've always been kind of like, well, there's gotta be something. And I'm like, no, there doesn't gotta be anything. (laughs) Just because everybody's telling you that there's gotta be something doesn't mean they're correct. Yeah. And I never learned until later on when I became more of an atheist, the concept of like, well, you don't remember anything before there's no before. So why is there an after? But as far as like when I really became atheist, before I even, I was an atheist before I knew what an atheist was. When I learned, when I heard, when I when I was younger and heard the word atheist, it was always related to something bad. Hmm. And I think I, when I was younger, I always got the the term atheist and nihilist were always like together. Mm -hmm. Like an atheist believes in nothing, nothing at all. No, it's kind of like a nihilist, but, and then yeah. it wasn't until later on learned like, no, an atheist just doesn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Like a is Greek for like, you got theist, then a theist, mm-hmm. like the opposite of theist. I'm like, well, that's fucking what I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not a theist. I don't believe in any gods. I'm an atheist. And then being here in Utah where religion is really shoved down your fucking throat was where I decided I'm like, oh, I want to be more active. (laughs) I don't want anybody to have a mistaken thing about me at all that I would ever be part of this fucking cult that's around here. Pretty much. And that's where I started to get more involved, like with actually like researching politics stuff like, oh, what's actually fucking going on? Like Mm -hmm. I now see what happens when a dominant religion has fucking control which in mm-hmm. Wisconsin wasn't really a fucking issue. But then when I started living in a place, I'm like, oh shit, this crazy ass fucking religion controls fucking everything. Like mm-hmm. I should get more involved. And that's actually when I th- thought, or I, I was looking for an Avenue and that's where I found the atheist of Utah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find you first, Dan. I actually first, I think I messaged and I started doing videos of trying to get people's stories of why they became an atheist and all that kind of stuff. Once I tried getting more involved, then I met you at a, not convention, I met Tracy and she said, hey, I know this other kid that he said he was looking to do a podcast. And I was like, I got a bunch of shit. (laughs) I'll put you in contact with him. And that was Matt. I think it was Sarah that initially, wasn't it Sarah, Sarah Mars, I believe, who you met initially, who was serving as, I think, I'm pretty sure she was serving as president at the time in 2014 when the American Atheists Convention came here. Yeah. And I remember I was at the library uh, and there was a a debate at the library Mm -hmm. and that's where I sought out like, hey, like at the time I was like, oh, I don't know if I should go talk to these people. Like I'm kind of like... (laughs) <laughs> i don't really know much about this group yeah i think they uh, had a couple byu professors there 
yeah and, yep. and, and a debate with a guy that I don't yeah. really oh, care yeah. for anymore. Yeah, true. Yeah. He was there, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah, I fucking introduced that dude. I yeah, we had a we had a uh a mass resignation from the LDS church as part of the pre convention festivities mm-hmm. and 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 that guy came and spoke and I introduced him and spoke a little bit before he did and then held an, held an umbrella for him while he was speaking because it was raining a bit and yeah. And then we had the convention and that was fun. But yeah, that, that's That was kind of, that's kind of my origins. Like just being pissed off at the fact that I realized how much religion affects everything. And how, how long that? When did you move here to Utah? Well, I came here when I was in the military, uh, when I was 18. Mm-hmm. That's when I got here, mm-hmm. but like throughout most of my military career here, I didn't really like, I was five years active duty military. I deployed overseas four times. Then all the training involved, like, like spinning up to do different operations and stuff. It was like, I wasn't fucking here. Mm-hmm. So most of my active duty time here in Utah was spent either going overseas, getting ready to go overseas or preparing for other exercises and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of sheltered from the actual Utah that was Utah until I <laughs> took a civilian job here and realized, oh fuck. <laughs> this like, place heard about of, this. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, yeah, like I've heard about this, but it's kind of like, oh you know, it's like a a myth. Like, no, this shit's fucking real. Holy shit. <laughs> so I know that your parents, you know, didn't require that you be religious or anything, but are are, are either of your parents religious? No. Like do they yeah? No? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah. The only like I remember as a kid uh, at my grandparents' house, there was a crucifix with Jesus hung on it. And I had no clue what the fuck that was when I was a kid mm-hmm. Just hanging on one wall. My grandmother, she wasn't like she never seemed religious. She never like it was kind of like, hey, you know, my family was kind of like, find your own way. Yeah. Like, well, however you are is how you are. Lucky. Yeah, yeah I, 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 unfortunately, from the stories we've heard from other people, yeah, I, 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 I grew the, I drew the good straw. Uh huh. Yeah. You, you, you guys might have gotten shorter straws than me. I guarantee it. <laughs> Taylor, how short was your straw? Oh, it was pretty short. <laughs> um. So I. My religious story starts with my folks, actually. Um, My dad was raised Catholic in the Polish part of the south side of Chicago. Oh, wow. Um, To include, like, the the Catholic school experience, um, the Mm. whole nine yards. And my mom was raised Southern Baptist in Flint, Michigan. Hmm. What? Yeah. Yep. That's kind of wild. Uh, well, my grandma's from like Georgia. Uh. So um, both of them joined the Air Force to get the fuck out of the south side of Chicago and Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they met each other in Air Force tech school, got married in Las Vegas, and then transferred to Japan where they had orders 
and had me about like a year and a half later. Oh, wow. Um, while they were in Japan, one of their coworkers, one of their fellow airmen, um, was a Mormon. And they basically came to the decision that like, they this were is cool. two, well, well, not only that, but like they were from two very different religions and they were like, well, if we're going to have kids, we would rather not ha- like be competing for religion time. Like we'd rather have one unified thing. And mm-hmm. so I guess Mormonism was it. Um, they, they couldn't have chose the obvious none. Wait, wait, say so. They it was just kind of chosen on a whim. Like I, I don't know so much a whim. Like they haven't talked to me about details, but I guess this like airman that they worked with just made a really big impression on them in terms of his like devoutness. And they were like, well, you know, our religion has always ever been like just this sort of like background thing, and mm-hmm. you know, Mormons seem very active in their religiosity and family oriented and shit like that was their point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so they joined that. And for the first, I don't know, six or seven years of my life, like Mormonism was not very prominent. Like I remember when I was a little kid, like preschool age kid, my mom was still drinking coffee. In fact, I remember when I stopped smelling coffee in the mornings and oh. like that, that was depressing to me. <laughs> um, you know, like their, their religiosity, gradually grew as as i aged um you know i remember that we started going to church more frequently when we moved to michigan um but that it wasn't so bad because like once or twice a month the whole church would do like a potluck and unlike utah potlucks like they actually put some fucking effort into the food (laughs) it's not just yellow and carrots yeah (laughs) no it was some good shit um yeah i missed that uh And like, it was just sort of a thing. Like it was just something that was like an adjacent part of my life. And then we moved to Vegas and they must've gotten some sort of like fucking stick up their ass. Like thinking like, Oh, Vegas, you know, den of iniquity that it is like city of sin. Yeah. yeah, So we've got to, uh, you know, engage in further religiosity. So like they started discouraging my friendships with non Mormon kids and started Mm. doing more and more church shit. Um, while I was in Vegas is also when I, uh, uh, when they did the, um, the, the baptism thing and the confirmation thing. And I Mm -hmm. recall very, very clearly, even to this day, sitting in the chair after the baptism for the confirmation, uh, for the confirmation prayer Mm -hmm. and like basically doing a silent prayer of my own that was like, Hey, I would like any sort of sign, like anything at all. And I remember feeling absolutely nothing um that like there was no sort of numinous no no you know special spiritual feeling at all no supernatural calm or peace or any of it was just i was in a room with three sets of hands like steadily pushing down on my head and you know just being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. uh so that's kind of where that started. Um, I also at a very young age, um, like didn't really have the vocabulary for it. Um, but was discovering that I was bisexual. Um, and at the time, like, how would you put it? Homophobia had not yet come up because, you know, I was not yet viewed as like a sexual being. Like I've noticed that, that people don't start to get homophobic until after they've gone through puberty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
funny enough, weird, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but that, that was starting to be a thing. Um, and we eventually moved to St. George, Utah in part because of my dad's business ventures and in part because they <laughs> preferred, yeah, they preferred to raise their kids in Mormon, Utah than in Las Vegas. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the shit really started to suck. Cause that's when it got into like the competitive Mormonism, mm-hmm. um, you know, where the Mormon families are trying to out Mormon each other. And uh, yeah, I'm more devout was, than you. I follow the word of wisdom a lot closer than you do. Yeah. And from that point on in my childhood, like people, people from St. George, Utah will recognize this. I grew up in pheasant run in Bloomington, which was one of like the highest, um, how would you put it? Like economic neighborhoods in the city in one of the more Mormon neighborhoods of all of St. George. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people in my church came from some sort of pioneer stock. Um, you know, your Staley's and MacArthur's and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and uh, I fucking hated it, man. <laughs> like it just, sucked, you know, like they monopolized um, the boy scouts and all that jazz. Um, and, and as I, as I got into my teen years, um, you know, there was a cute goth chick and that sort of got me into paganism. It's how it all um, starts, man. The cute goth I, It chick. really does, man. Big titted goth girls like that. They, <laughs> dangerous, very dangerous. One of them um, too. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where it started. But I remember even as a kid, like my mentality was like, prayer doesn't work like like there's never been a circumstance in which i've been like hey you know god wouldn't it be nice if you know and then the thing happened right Mm. um but i thought like okay well with like wicca bullshit you know theoretically you're going through something of like a scientific method you know you're you're using color and sound and smell and and words and that kind of shit to try and achieve like an outcome that's derived from the inputs that you're performing in the whatever spell bullshit. Right. And, mm-hmm. and the idea for me is like, that's testable, right? Like that's, there's, there's a, a potential cause and effect and a testable outcome. Um, so <laughs> fuck it. You know, um, <laughs> my parents did not like that <laughs> when they found out um, that would well in the occult, were we? Yeah. 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 That did not go particularly <laughs> well. And, and as a result of that and several other factors, um, I ended up getting sent to a military school for a little while. Oh, wow. Um, and there's more story to that sometime because we'll at some later point, we'll talk about how I, I very nearly uh, was a fascist growing up. Um, and that's that's that same kind of time period. But it's also a story for another day. How Taylor um, almost started the Proud Boys. I mean, it was so uh, if if you raise a kid on a diet of Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, and Ann Coulter, surprisingly enough, you get uh, the Proud Boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, story for another time. Fast forwarding, I got into college, um, and where it all started to get knocked down. You know, first my first major was like a pre med. And um, I was actually taking a lot of botany classes because I liked the idea of doing some sort of like naturopathic medicine. And, um, you know, thankful to this day, Dell Smith, my botany professor, pulled me aside at one point and like laid out studies. And he was like, here's the deal, dude. And like, I'm going to quote the Tim Minchin quote um, because he said something very similar. He's like, here's the deal. Like alternative medicine, by definition, 
is either proven not to work or not proven to work. Like (laughs) there are cures in medicine that are derived from plants, but you said that you want to get into like nature based medicine. And I'm here to let you know that like, that's just not as effective as Western medicine. It's it's not a thing. Yeah. And having been, you know, ushered off of that path, I changed my major to a dual major of, um, psychology and philosophy with a political science minor and attended SUU for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and there I had this fantastic fucking philosophy professor, um, Fitzgerald, no Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick. Um, and my atheism moment came to me because I went through this sort of like vaguely pagan, you know, thing, even into college, right. Where it was like, it was there, but it was something I, I never really paid attention to. And then I read Descartes meditations. Um, and I don't know if any of our listeners have read meditations before, but basically the idea is, is that like Descartes tries to establish what we know and what we don't know. And he starts with that, you know, famous, I think therefore I am, which is his ability to say like at a minimum, one can know that one exists because you can't lie to yourself about existing, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's physically impossible to bootstrap like that you are an illusion observing itself. So you can go from at least that standpoint. And he spends the rest of the book arguing about like what else we can know and basically making an argument for God. Um, but the thing is, is that like, if you if you read uh, meditations intelligently, you realize he's actually making an argument against God and basically pointing out that there's like an is ought problem with saying like, well, it makes sense that if some sort of cosmic power existed, then it wouldn't deceive you. And like, you know, he makes arguments like this and every single time he like pulls out of a tailspin at the last minute and offers this fragile little like, oh, close. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I am convinced to this day that it's deliberate, that he wanted to make basically a thesis against the existence of God. Um, but that he knew that he would get the Galileo treatment. Um, Mm. if he did. And I saw that and I talked to my philosophy professor about that. And he's like, that's, that's a really clever conclusion that you came to, you know, uh, uh, (laughs) interesting that. Yeah. Um, and that, that summer me and my, significant other of two years broke up. Um, I moved to Montana and I was like working the night shift at a hotel and, and waitering at tables and, and doing cook work and that kind of thing for a while, like two or three jobs at a time to save money to go back to college. Um, cause it, it was just a rough time in my life. And without my, my significant other, you know, we had been making ends meet together, but alone I couldn't. Right. Um, and one of the really nice things working at a, uh, at a hotel, I was the night shift guy. Um, and, and Celia, one of our listeners will really like this. I remember getting one of the first, um, iPod touches, right. Which is basically an iPhone without the cellular connection. Right. And this thing to me was fucking magic. I mean, this is a computer in the palm of your hand. It was goddamn amazing in, you know, 2008, 2009 time period. And, yeah, I mean, well, and podcasts, right? And and keeping in mind, this is 2009. Um, 
you know, my boss told me like, hey, I don't care what you do. We had one coworker bring in a laptop and play World of Warcraft, like just stay awake. And if anybody needs anything like to unclog a toilet or something, you go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. And I, I started reading like the four horsemen, you know, uh, Daniel Dennett, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, uh, Christopher Hitchens. Um, I started listening to the atheist experience, the guys out of Austin. Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, also Reasonable Doubts, which is a now defunct podcast, but it's fantastic. Um, and I don't really know like how it started. I think a lot of that started from like reading PZ Myers blog, which was criticizing a lot of like nature, naturalistic medicine and that kind of thing. And I just sort of like got pulled into the, the new atheism sphere. But I was one of those classic stories of like, no, the, the four horsemen, like those old white men just, you know, pulled me into it and it was like, yeah, no, this makes a lot more fucking sense. Like these, <laughs> these arguments are, you know, pretty fantastic. Uh, God delusion and God is not great. Did a fantastic job of like unraveling all of the claims about religiosity. And I came out of it on the other side of like, I understand that there is, um, you know, some people try and argue that like agnosticism is the step before atheism. And I absolutely disagree. Like it's, it's an X, Y axis, right? You're Gnostic or agnostic and you're religious or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can quite confidently say that I am Gnostically atheist about all of the claims of every religion that's ever been presented to me, because most of them are in inter- like internally inconsistent and incoherent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm comfortable saying that, like, I not only don't believe in Christianity, I actively believe Christianity isn't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, repeat that across every religion that you can think of. And uh, mm-hmm. that's basically how it happened to me. And then I did some activism and stuff after that. You know, when I joined the military, I worked with Jason Torpy to get humanist services and, and Air Force basic training and eventually met you guys at, at conferences and stuff. But the the story that's already gone on long enough of how I became an atheist. Like that's, those are the broad strokes of how I got there. Yeah. That's awesome. I, there, there were so many different points along your track that I was like, Oh yeah, that was me. Oh, that was me too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can see myself there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like when you, when you talked about a lot of the early reading and, you had teachers who were kind of hinting at different things and, you know, letting you come to your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I was in high school, I was in, you know, honors English and math. And I was, I was one of the smart guys who was in like advanced, you know, AP classes and honors English, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. And in high school, I had this fantastic uh, honors English teacher, uh, Mr. Wood, who I'm, I'm like 95% sure uh, is is gay and mm. living in Utah, of course, that's rough. And in the 90s, living in Utah was much more rough even. It was a yeah. death sentence. Yeah, for sure. And, but he's just like, he's, there, there are a few teachers throughout my life growing up that I look back on, like they were, they were instrumental in me becoming the person that I am today. And Mr. Wood is one of those teachers. And uh, he, in our AP English course, had us read a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, some of my favorites that I read in that class were To Kill a Mockingbird, mm-hmm. um, uh, Siddhartha. And- oh, wow. By Herman Hess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one had a huge impact on me as well. I read that. Oh, yeah. Uh, f- yeah. When I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. We read that when I was in high school and 
Uh, funny enough, the screw tape letters. Oh, um, wow. C.S. Lewis. Rough. Yeah. Which, oh. <laughs> which, you know, coming from C.S. Lewis, it was, it was interesting. I don't, and thinking back, I'm trying to remember exactly, but the memory that I have is that we didn't read all of the screw tape letters. Like he, he assigned us, you know, specific letters from screw tape that, that we were to read. And they were almost all centered around questioning religiosity and faith in general and speaking to the, the evils and the ills of the world and screw tape questioning them and being like, I, there's not much here for me to do because people are already kind of shitty. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why you're having me do these different things when they're already doing it by themselves kind of thing. And so I think aside from Mr. Wood probably being uh, a closeted gay man back then, I think he may have also been not a religious person, perhaps sure. an atheist, just based on the type of reading assignments that he gave to us all the time and things that he would say. And he was like, he was just, he was a lot of fun. Um, a huge, huge influence on me. And in one of our uh, writing assignments that we had, um, I can't even remember what, what we were supposed to write about or the topic or the, or the specific assignment, but I landed on writing my paper about um, kind of inherited racism or, uh, uh, you know, being, being blind to a lot of the racist beliefs that, that you may have yourself. And as part of my presentation, I remember getting up in front of the classroom and asking specific people in class, like, Hey, you person sitting here in front of me, would you ever date somebody outside of your race? Would you ever date a black person? Well, how would your parents, you know, react to you dating a black person? And I can remember a few of the responses that I got were like, Oh, no, I don't think I ever would because, you know, I'm just, I'm not into that or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't view those people. And it's like, <laughs> thinking about some of the, some of the responses I got like, but no, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not don't interested in dating. Equally yoked, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not interested in dating those people or, you oh, know, I, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. I might date somebody who's black, but I don't think I'd ever marry anybody who's black or, Mm. you know, or somebody else who would respond and say, Oh yeah, I, you know, I don't think I would have a problem with it, but I know my parents would have a big problem with it. Mm -hmm. And it was like every single person who I asked, there was some kind of response like that, but I'm, I'm kind of getting sidetracked a little bit here, but so it was through reading stuff like that and, and thinking about it a little bit more that I kind of broke out of being, very religious at all. And I never really was religious. Like I was, I was the kid in Sunday school. Like my, my whole family, I grew up here in Mormon. I grew up here in Mormon. (laughs) 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 I grew up here in Utah. I was born in Brigham city, Northern Utah, a small little podunk town, super right wing, super conservative, super religious. Every, everything that you can imagine about a small town in Utah, in Northern Utah is spot on as far as Brigham city is concerned. I mean, they had, you know, at the time they had one hospital, one grade school, one junior high, one high school, totally small town. Everybody knows everybody. There's no sidewalks, you know, the back, back then, like my parent, my grandparents, uh, house was on a dirt road and later it was paved, but there still was no sidewalk. And then when they put in the sidewalk, there was 
a big to do and uproar because then they're taking away my property and the state's claiming part of it and putting sidewalks on there. And I, like I grew up super conservative in a very religious, not necessarily household, but all of my extended family were very religious, very devout LDS people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I started to realize that a lot of the people around me who, you know, were ostensibly very devout, uh, Mormon people were not quite as devout as they pretended to be. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and especially looking back and realizing a bunch of different things. Like my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, um, smoked, drank coffee every morning, would have the occasional beer, but not very often. He, uh, his father was an alcoholic, so he kind of he mm-hmm. he shied away from imbibing very often at all. Um, and then my, my my maternal grandparents, both of them smoked and drank and had coffee. They didn't drink a whole lot, but they had coffee all the time. They were they were smokers big time, and they never really stressed religion as much as my paternal grandparents. But my paternal grandparents, like I said, my grandfather smoked and had coffee, played golf. He's the person who taught me how to golf. Hmm. Um, and was sealed to my grandmother in the temple, I, though I'm not quite sure how that worked out i mean <laughs> she she got pregnant when she was either 14 or 15 by my oh, grandfather wow. oh. they, had, they had not really a shotgun wedding but uh you're gonna marry my daughter kind of thing right well if it's good for joseph smith it's good for you yeah yeah growing up here in utah like at my age at my current age both of my mm-hmm. grandfathers would have had teenage grandchildren plural yeah, and that's just that's that's weird to me. Well, you should be a great grandfather by now, according to Utah. Oh my God, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's totally wild. So, and my immediate household, you know, my my dad smoked. He was in high school, one of the parking lot crew, right? Like he'd <laughs> he'd go out and have cigarettes with his friends. He'd smoke dope occasionally. He'd drink. He'd party. Whatever. My mom was a little bit more straight laced. Um, but you know, she was pregnant at 16. She was pregnant before my parents got married. <laughs> and so you bastard, we, we went to church, you know, occasionally or, or fairly, fairly routinely and often when I was a kid in grade school. Um, and I can remember going to church and it just, it never, it never clicked with me. Right. It never it never felt good. I I was never excited to go to church. I hated every minute of it. I didn't like really any of the people that I went to church with. I had so boring, so boring, <laughs> it is, man. Like oh three and a God. half hours on a Sunday. <sighs> sacrament was terrible. Sunday school was was much less bad. Then sacrament you can even sleep against the wall because they make it out of that weird prickly carpet shit. <laughs> Oh yeah, that it was it was weird. You're absolutely right. It is Mormon churches, for those of you who don't know, most of them have carpeting at least like four feet up the walls. Yeah. Like, they're they're like a, a CIA interrogation cell designed to prevent you from <laughs> sleeping through church. <laughs> they're fucking terrible. They're yeah, they're they're awful, awful. And they're all the same. Like if you walk into a Mormon church, you could be physically teleported from one Mormon church to another and you would just know. That you're oh, in yeah. a Mormon church, yes. regardless. If, if I woke up 
naked with duct tape around my wrists and ankles in the middle of a Mormon church, I would have no idea where on the planet that I was. <laughs> but you would know that you're in a Mormon church. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Like at a glance. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was not terrific. Like, and I can remember being in Sunday school and I have a very clear memory of they, they would give us these little, little coloring pamphlets. I remember when mm. I was little and we didn't have desks in Sunday school. We had, these awful, I mean, they were like total all metal folding chairs. And instead of desks, if we had something to do where we needed a desk, we would sit on the floor and turn our chairs facing us and use the the seating surface of the chair as, as a desk to do whatever. And mm-hmm. I can remember we, we were given uh, little coloring things for uh, Noah's Ark and mm-hmm. the teacher telling us all about how you know, the world had gotten so wicked that God flooded the world and, and Noah built a big boat and he brought two of each animal on the, on the boat and everything was great. And I can remember thinking to myself, okay, well, the people on the boat are fine, but what about everybody else? And I asked that. I asked that question to our Sunday school teacher. I said, so God killed everybody else? Like everybody who wasn't on the boat died? Like he just killed everybody. And my teacher said, well, you know, there were a lot, there was a lot of sin going on and God needed to start over again. And so we had no create the boat and, you know, we've got the animals come on two by two and everything's happy and, and he's out at sea for 40 days and 40 nights while it's raining. And then the floodwaters go away. And I'm like, but wait, but he killed everybody. Like everybody else was bad. Even, even like all of the babies all of the babies that, that God killed were all bad and, and all of the other animals. Like he just, he just killed everything else. Well, I think maybe you should talk to your parents about this a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, there were a few different instances about things like that in, in uh, Sunday school that, that happened that I can remember. And I was always told that I needed to talk to my parents or I needed to talk to the bishop or I needed to pray about it. Nobody ever had a good answer for me. And it's like, you guys are the people in charge. You're the ones who are here to teach these young people about your faith and why it's good and why they should believe it. And you're failing before I'm even baptized. Like before I even know what is going on, you're failing me. You're not, you're not able to answer simple fucking questions from a kid who's five, six, seven years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Hi, this is James Hubert, author of Kissing Hexass, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. What is more likely, that the laws of nature have been suspended in your favor and in a way that you approve, or that you've made a mistake? And in each case you must, and especially if you didn't see it yourself and you're hearing it from someone who says that they did. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. So living in Utah, of course, I was pressured uh, into being baptized. You know, my whole family was very excited about it. And I, even at the time, really had no idea what was going on. Like, I knew that I needed to dress in all white. I knew that, there, you know, I was going to get in a pool with my dad at church one day. And he would dunk me and we went through how he was going to dunk me. And, you know, he would grab my arms and I had to plug my nose myself and he'd tip me back and tip me 
tip me mm-hmm. back up and everybody would be there. And then we'd have a family party afterward and there would be lots of presents. And then I was very disappointed in all of the presents because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought they were going to be like actual cool presents. And instead it was like a Mormon quad and Mormon coloring books and all oh. just religious bullshit that I had no fucking interest in at all. Whereas my go-kart and Nerf guns. <laughs> and I, like, were you, were you too young at the time? I, I guess, was this after your time that the guy slash production studio that did all of the Swan Princess movies, um, had he done all of those Mormon, Book of Mormon cartoons yet? Oh, I don't know. Oh, dude. Okay. You lucked out, man. They, <laughs> so the, the guy, the same production studio that did the Swan Princess um, did like all of the major like big hits of Sunday school stories from the Book of Mormon, like all the mm-hmm. Nephi bullshit and the, the fucking wooden submarines with the glowing rocks and shit like that. <laughs> um, and they did them. And it's like, it's really funny because the animation studio, like there was something up with like how they animated it to where it seemed like everybody just moved kind of slowly, like like they were animating at like 24 frames per second instead of like oh, a higher frame kind of rate. I think I know what you're talking about. Like the animation is a little bit blurry. Everybody's moving a little bit slow. Yeah, and it's yeah. not really stop frame animation, but it's kind of close. It's like kind of ghosted <laughs> over each other. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> yep. I, think, I've, I think I've seen things that you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, but those were like out when I was a kid. And so those were the only kinds of movies that we could watch on Sundays, which was <laughs> awful. And yeah. your your gifts reminded me of that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> oh, no, you're totally fine. Yeah, that, and, but that was just it. Like I got these gifts that I was not at all excited about. And I still had no idea even really what had happened. People kept telling me, oh, well, now you're responsible. Now you've reached the age of accountability. All of the bad things that you do really count now. All of the things that you did before have been washed away because you were baptized. And and now you're starting with a clean slate. So you need to remember to be good all the time now. And it's like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't even, at that point, I'm eight years old. I had really no idea what sin even was other than, it's something that might make my parents or baby Jesus cry or be sad. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, well, but I don't know what those things are yeah. or yeah. why I should care if baby Jesus is upset about it. Who the fuck is that guy? Mm-hmm. It just, it, it never made any sense to me. So I, I mean, I never really was a believer at all. And even, even when my dad baptized me, uh, he was, you know, he was a smoker. He quit smoking just long enough in order to, get the the bishop's blessing in order to be able to baptize me and then he baptized me and immediately started smoking again so it was like religion wasn't wasn't a huge focal point for my immediate family um i can remember when we went through all the ritual oh yeah oh we had to go through all of the ritual to make my grandmother happy you Mm -hmm. know it was my dad had to baptize me because that's what my grandma wanted it wasn't necessarily what either of my parents really wanted Mm mm-hmm but, but too, this is, you know, you, you get into things about the LDS church saying that, you know, families are forever and you have to be baptized into the church and you have to do all of these things on your eternal progression in order to have your eternal family. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's just part of the plan that you have to be baptized. Your father hopefully is the person who can do that because he's the patriarch of the family and is mm-hmm. going to be the head of your family in heaven and all of that kind of bullshit. And 
it just never made any any sense to me. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say, and and like Mormon women are supposed to be like held responsible if any of their kids don't stay in good standing too. Like that's the oh, yeah. sort of closet dogma is that you know they could get to heaven and God be like, well, you know, two of your kids decided to leave the church, and that's on you. Yep. You're you were not you were not a good enough parent because yeah. your children have fallen away from the church and that's yeah. really bad for you. Mkhan. So how that's did you, I'm, how did you leave then? Like what was your big inciting incident? Um, I don't think I ever really had an inciting incident. So when my, when I was little, you know, we, I got baptized at the age of eight, which is what happens in, in, in a Mormon family. Mm-hmm. And this is when my parents were still married, but they were having, they were starting to have some marital difficulties and they were young. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they were young, stupid kids who got married because she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course they start having marital problems and we lived next door to the Bishop. And I remember, I remember my dad was really abusive verbally, mentally, physically when I was a kid, uh, mm-hmm. like he used to just beat the shit out of me when I was little. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, He's a dick and fuck him. <laughs> but I can remember uh, in our, we lived in West Jordan and right next door we lived, we lived next door to the, the ward Bishop, the maybes uh, who was Bishop maybe. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe he's not, <laughs> but in our backyard we had, so our backyard, our fence to the backyard backed up, the church parking lot. Like our church was right there. And along the fence, we had grapevines all along the back of the fence. And in front of those, we had uh, raspberry bushes and then we had a ditch. And then we had, my dad had like a big garden in the corner of the yard. And then we had seven uh, peach trees that kind of bisected the yard. And we had a big apple tree and a big cherry tree. And my dad wanted to increase the size of his garden. So he went, and, and one of the peach trees wasn't doing very well and it was young. So he decided he was going to cut it down. So cut all the branches off and we were kind of poor. I mean, my mom, I don't think was working at the time or if she was, she was working at Albertsons as she was a price checker. And my dad uh, worked at Safeway as an assistant manager and moved all over the place. And that's how we ended up in West Jordan. He was managing a Safeway here at the time. And uh, he wanted to cut down the tree, but all he had was a hacksaw and managed mm. to cut off all of the limbs and then was left with a trunk and started cutting through the trunk and got about halfway through and the blade on the hacksaw broke. So he never finished cutting it down. So there's just this bare stump <laughs> that that's just the trunk of the tree. Maybe on it. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, four to six inches in diameter with that's half cut through at the bottom with absolutely no branches. It's just this trunk of a Stick. tree. In the yard. Yeah. Yeah. And one day my sister and I were out playing in the yard and there was a little, like a little leaf sticking out of the top of the, out of the top of the stump. And I just picked it off and he had a bad day, came home. My sister told him that I'd picked the leaf off and he beat the shit out of me. Like in the yard, on the ground, he's kicking me in the ribs, screaming at me. Like my mom came out, she was freaking out. It was, it was a whole bad deal, but Jesus. I remember, and then, and this is when they were having all kinds of marital problems. And so she talked to the bishop and was telling him what was going on. And, you know, that, that, uh, the latest thing with him, 
you know, beating the shit out of me in the yard was, was really bad. And she was thinking of leaving. And the Bishop told her that, that my dad's issues and he, he did all kinds of shit. I mean, you know, he beat, he beat the shit out of me. He destroyed all kinds of stuff in the house. I remember Mm. him taking a hammer to our dining room table one day and just like punching holes in the top of the table with a hammer, kicking holes in walls, kicked in their dishwasher. Like he was super abusive and violent. Um, and no alcohol though. Yeah, no, no, I mean, he, no, he really didn't drink at all. Um, he, he started drinking after they got divorced or when they separated a little bit with some friends from work, but no, was never really a drinker, just a giant wild. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's wild. So my mom went and talked to the Bishop and the Bishop told her, that their marital problems were Satan trying to split up our family uh, and that she just needed to submit to my father more. Wow. And that's when my mom decided to leave the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, I have, I have memories of him like dumping food over her head one night for dinner because he didn't like what she'd made. Like he's a fucking asshole and always has been. Um, so <sighs> she went to the Bishop for help. Bishop told her it was Satan trying to split up our family. She needed to just submit to my father. And she's like, well, I guess I'm not Mormon anymore. (laughs) Good for her. So Yeah. yeah, So one day my dad was at work and she just packed up all of our stuff. Uh, Yeah. She had some friends come over, packed up all of our stuff into, they had a little Toyota four by two truck. And she just packed up like all of our clothes and toys and bikes and I remember the back of the truck just being overloaded and the back of it almost hitting the ground because it was so full of stuff and driving to a friend's house. And we basically hid from my father for like a week and a half, two weeks until she could find a place of her own. They split up and then I never really went back to church after that. And this was shortly after me getting baptized. I mean, I was still eight years old when they got, when they separated and ended up getting divorced. Oh, wow. And then after that, like I never, you know, the only times I ever really went to church was for you know weddings or blessings or uh, funerals something like that we didn't we didn't attend we didn't attend church regularly at all and my mom flitted through a bunch of different religious faiths after the after the divorce you know she initially was staying with a friend who was catholic so she tried that out for a little while and that didn't work out so then she became buddhist for a little while and that didn't work out and and then she became wiccan for a little while and that didn't work out and just seeing her kind of bounce around from religion to religion and figuring out that none of them really worked out and none of them were Mm -hmm. beneficial or good, true and correct. That it was easy for me to see that none of them really were beneficial or, or, or something that I was interested in. And then when I was in my twenties, um, I was still single, uh, dating and I got a job at AT AT&T and it was in a call center for AT&T doing their credit card, answering calls for their credit card company. It was the AT&T Universal card at the time. I think it was eventually bought out by Citibank. But back then it was AT&T and it was my first um, sort of serious job. I'd worked at grocery stores and restaurants and shit like that before. This was my first decent paying job with actual benefits. And uh, it's where I met my uh, first wife or Uh ex-wife. And so anyway, uh, I was working there and... um, wasn't really religious. And in between calls or on breaks, I'd just talk to my other coworkers. One of my coworkers was Jason stock who we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's the uh, brewmaster out at, 
uh, Wasatch. Okay. And um, he was having a conversation with a couple other coworkers one day, and he was talking about going on his mission and coming back and that he wasn't LDS anymore. And that, you know, he's, he's, he's there with his ears pierced. And he said he'd recently gotten his nipples pierced and he's talking all about that. And, and, um, one of my coworkers said, well, how can you just believe that, you know, nothing exists and nothing's real. And Jason's like, because it's all bullshit, you know? And, <laughs> and one of the, one of my coworkers was, and Jason said something about like, well, how do you explain like dinosaurs and, and finding bones and fossils and everything? Because this guy was an, L- the person that he was speaking to was a, was an LDS guy who most LDS people are not young earth creationists. They still believe in, well, these days, sort of believe in evolution and, uh, and an old earth. Uh, and, but this guy was saying that God took pieces of all kinds of stuff from all over the universe and put it all together, including like bones from dinosaurs that were like from other planets and shit. And Jason was just like, dude, that's, that's yeah. crazy. That's nuts. Like, that's just <laughs> weird going on. <laughs> You're just, that's just, that's fucking nuts. And then he said, I think you should read this book. Uh, by this guy called the, by this guy, Carl Sagan. Mm, nice. <laughs> and so my very first inkling or my very first atheist reading was Carl Sagan's, uh, demon haunted world science as a candle okay. in the dark. And that's when I, in that book is when I learned the term atheist and realized, Oh, Hey, that's me. That's what I am. Like, I don't believe in some invisible sky wizard who controls everything like I, and, and the whole idea of his invisible dragon in the garage, like that really got me. That spoke to me like for every thing that anybody would propose as a test in order to figure out if that dragon actually existed. Um, for those of you who haven't read it, you should absolutely read demon. Mm-hmm. Hunter World. It's, it's, it's awesome. And it's the first, it's the thing that made me realize that I'm an atheist and just the the dra- the invisible dragon in the garage was it like this explains how and why so many people believe all of this religious bullshit because anytime that they come up for a test to see if the god that everybody purports or uh, the god that everybody proposes to be real and a and a big factor in their lives they have no tangible real testable repeatable evidence to support it at all it's just things that they say and that they want to believe and anything that you do or say to try to test that they have an explanation for and it's all fucking bullshit yeah it's a feeling yeah and so that's when i realized that i was an atheist and then i just spent several years of not believing in a god (laughs) just being just being myself you know got married had a couple kids my ex-wife is religious ish uh she grew up somewhat catholic never really attended church or anything but she and she didn't necessarily necessarily believe in all of the sky fairy bullshit but she did believe in an afterlife and wanted to be able to spend eternity together in an afterlife and all that kind of stuff and so i just i placated those beliefs more than anything else and just figured i'll you know if she wants to believe that that's fine it wasn't until she started until we had kids and she started talking about, oh, well, we, you know, we need to start teaching them about God and reading the Bible and everything. I'm like, OK, no. well, we can do that, but I'm going to be in the room also and I'll explain and talk to them about stuff. Like if you want to read the Bible, that's fine, but I'm going to be there, too, and we can talk about stuff. 
you, mm-hmm. she ended up getting like a kid's version of the Bible and it's got all of the cutesy little stories. It makes murder sound good. And yeah. none of the like guys sicking a bear on children, calling him bald stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And so then it was, I think she tried that maybe two or three different times of reading stories from the children's Bible. And I was there and I would say, okay, so this is what people believe, but you know, and this is kind of a cute and fun story, but if you look at the broader picture here, okay, sure. You've got these cute little drawings of animals marching two by two onto the ark. And then it's this big boat and everybody's smiling and happy, but where do they get their food? How do they handle all of the poop? The, <laughs> you've got lions here. What are the lions eating? Lions don't eat grass. They eat and, and stuff. They, they eat meat. So they're going to be eating other animals, right? And then what happened to everybody else that wasn't on the boat? Sure, these people were saved, but think of everybody else that you know. Unless they're on that boat, they're dead. And that's really terrible. Now here, when I heard that story, huh. I thought something completely different. Oh, yeah? I was, are you telling me there's no other motherfuckers with boats? <laughs> right, right. Like, only one person had a boat? Are you telling me this is the only motherfucker on this entire planet that's got a boat? Not even a, a fucking canoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was raining so hard. That, uh, uh. <laughs> a fucking air tube. Yeah, but I spent I spent years and years just not believing, and I don't know. It was just one day I got tired of being like I had friends. Um, when I was, when I was married, we, we lived in this neighborhood where everybody in the neighborhood was pretty much friends. We were always out in the driveway, drinking beer with each other, grilling at one neighbor's house or another or over at my house, hanging out. And people would ask about, you know, Oh, so you're not Mormon, huh? Clearly. And growing up here in Utah, that's one of the things that you learn early is there are all kinds of subtle signals that people will put out to let other people know that they are not LDS mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. holding up beer. And it's, yeah, well, it's simple things like, you know, having your ears pierced. Of course, I got my ears pierced when I was younger so that people would know I'm not LDS. Uh, mm-hmm. Smoking. I was a smoker so that people would know I was, not, I was not LDS. I would drink. I would have coffee. I would uh, do yard work on Sundays. All of these are, are meant as signals to the surrounding populace that I am not LDS. Don't bother me with that kind of bullshit. Right. And I just spent years and years doing that and feeling kind of lonely and alone and thinking, well, there's got to be other people. I mean, you know, I worked with Jason at, at AT&T and he clearly was an atheist. So there must be more of us out here. And this was back when the internet was, you know, starting to really come into full bloom and AOL was a thing. And I had an account online and I just one day typed in, you know, atheists in Utah. And I found atheists of Utah and started following them and watching their posts. And then I learned about Christopher Hitchens and, then I just, it just kind of, all, the whole world opened to me online, um, mm-hmm. watching debates and, and reading a bunch of stuff. And then social media started rolling out and MySpace and then Facebook and the rest of just, is just kind of history. I, I finally started attending coffee chats and talking to different people. And yeah, yeah it was just, it was like, I found my people and I felt so much better about it. Like I didn't, I didn't feel so alone anymore. I had this whole group of people that I could just be my authentic self with and not 
worry about them ostracizing me or thinking that I was the weird one for believing in fucking nonsense <laughs> or yeah. not believing in fucking nonsense. We, we started a, a coffee chat in St. George, um, uh, Dixie regional inquiry and free thought or drift <laughs> drift. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and every once in a while, like once every couple of months, we'd get some fucking like, you know, Oh, we're all, it's all God, man. Like, like energy and stuff guy. <laughs> some hippy dippy dude. Some, some dude who would use the word quantum one too many times in the paragraph, <laughs> you know? And, and I'd always have to like, you know, gradually what would happen is whoever was sitting closest to him would like go and get a beer and sit down at a different seat, leaving the seat next to him open. And I would sidle on over and I just, <laughs> but, but you know, look slowly, at the guy and I'd be like, on your pistol and <laughs> Hey man, like I need you to understand that like, I can't technically tell you to leave this coffee shop, but we're here as a group of atheists and skeptics, not just not Mormons. So, uh, I mean, I can't tell you to leave, but no one's going to engage you in conversation anymore. That's why I'm mm-hmm. sitting here right now. And then I just <laughs> turn to not face that person anymore and start engaging in conversation <laughs> with the rest of the table. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really rough. I remember in the early days of Atheist of Utah and the coffee chats. Well, the early days of me starting to go. And every now and then we would have somebody show up who... I don't know. I guess they figured that Utah being majority Mormon, uh, that anytime they found some infidels who were gathering, <laughs> that clearly it was just that they hadn't heard the correct word of God, right? They, they may oh, yeah. say that they are atheists, but it's just because they've only heard of the Mormon God. And of course, the Mormon God is bullshit, but my God is real. So I'm going to go and bother them and talk about my God, who's so much different than the Mormon God. And then they'll all accept it and they'll all come to Christ through me and I'll be viewed as this hero. And it was like, uh, I don't mean to shit hammer your dreams here, buddy, but you've got, <laughs> you've got a wrong fucking idea about the people who come to these coffee chats. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us have read your book more than you have. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I eventually ended up running for the board and, and, uh, winning. Oh yeah. Being, being voted onto the board and then, being being in and on the board of Utah for a very very long time, and of course all the drama associated with that. But those are all stories for another time, as yeah. we as we start talking more about atheism again. And um, I'm looking forward to future episodes talking about some of this stuff and revisiting a lot of the topics that we've talked about back in the early days of the show. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of you know dispelling. Uh, and, and and debunking a lot of religious belief and revisiting a lot of things that are so problematic with religion and why religion is bad and harmful. Uh, I yeah. think that I, well, a lot of people have gotten think, away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a good space for that or, or a necessary space for that in the community. Cause a lot of the most popular shows are, more for people who are already in movement atheism as opposed to folks getting into it. There's um, mm-hmm. who, oh my gosh, there's a couple of guys who are ex Mormon and they do a show that's for like people leaving the Mormon church and to like teach them how to order a drink or like how to appreciate oh, yeah. coffee. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's not Dan and Jordan safety. from Knowledge Fight, is it? Is it a different Dan no, and Jordan? No, yeah, it's, it's different people. That? And actually, that show no longer exists. Well, I mean, it still exists, but they're not making any new episodes. Oh, no. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, are you thinking about the How-To Heretic? That's guy? the one. How-To yeah. Heretic is gone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they stopped yeah. recording, I don't know, a while ago, maybe close to a year ago, I think now. Yeah. Because um, like, I listened to it for a while, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't for me. I've already done all of these things. Um, but I think there's a space for that kind of content. Now, for them, they had a much more particular audience, which was ex-Mormons. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. hope that that show exists, you know, kind of in legacy for people who leave. Um, I feel mm-hmm. the same way about reasonable doubts and um, it's counter apologetics episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a now defunct show as well. But yeah, I, I, I appreciate you guys coming with me on this journey. Uh, you know, what we talked about off air last week mm-hmm. is that I, you know, there needs to be more space for new atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. I think so. And and just kind of going over, you know, basic atheism stuff, atheism 101 type stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this is what atheism is, and, and this is solely atheism, and then we can branch out into other things. But, yeah. And then yeah. kind of dissecting and dismantling a lot of religious beliefs and exposing the harms that are inherent, that, that come as an inherent part of a lot of those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and not really getting away from politics entirely, but trying to... Right. Be more mm, uh, to the particular, well, and and like particular with the kind of stuff that we cover, and make sure that we can draw it back to like a an atheist related, you know, seed that it comes mm-hmm. from. You know, oh, this is a Christian nationalist issue. That's why it's relevant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, fellas. We we have run long on this episode, but I think that's good. Um, We'll, we'll be tightening things up and talking about specific issues going forward. But um, Taylor had the great idea of, of, you know, reintroducing everybody to why the three of us are atheists or how we arrived at atheism and talking about our story so that it gives you a bit of context going forward mm-hmm. into uh, future episodes where we start dismantling a lot more of religious, arg- religious arguments and mm-hmm. belief in general. And um, we had a listener um, who we're going to reach out to and, and make sure that your call is something that we can put on air. Um, but but we appreciate you calling into us. And, you know, in light of this episode, if you'd like to reach out to us on our Facebook page or call into the show or send us an email to talk to us about your experience in leaving religion or if like Ryan, you always you were always sort of irreligious to start with. Um, You're always in the cool kid club. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to hear your stories. You know, I think it's important for people to see the different ways in which people leave. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And let uh, us know if you, permission, if you, if you call in and leave us a, a voicemail, uh, let us know if we have your permission to use that voicemail on the show as well. That would, uh, yes, that helps us a lot. Yeah. And I look forward to hearing a lot of your stories because everybody's story is different. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, I don't know, there, there are very few stories that I encounter from people who have left religion where it's just like, oh yeah, one day I was religious and then the next I wasn't. It, mm-hmm. it, it's always this, not always, but in more than 95% of the stories that I hear, it's this gradual progression of people mm-hmm. eventually picking up on individual 
uh, religious beliefs or tenets that they find objectionable for whatever reason and then start looking into a little bit more and it just kind of snowballs from there yeah there have it's been like bankruptcy it happens very slowly then all at once uh-huh yeah yes, there have been there have been a, a occasional and very rare stories that i hear from people where it was like oh yeah we were you know attending church every sunday until one day it was like oh wow I just read this thing. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. And and they just start discussing it as a couple, and within a week are completely irreligious, and and become atheists in the span of like a week. And yeah, I don't I, think I that. actually have a really good friend that that happened to, and oh, I might reach out to. Now. now you said it happened. Well, no, I mean like I'm I'm just thinking of the exception. They're rare. Here's the rule. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, yeah. and he was one of my best closest friends growing up, um, mm-hmm. and when the when the church asserted its stance on that children with gay parents couldn't receive certain ordinances until Mm. they themselves became 18 Mm -hmm. over the course of a week, he and his wife left the church. Mm. I mean, it was literally that like he was a return missionary. They both got married in the temple. They had a kid together, like a whole ass thing. And literally Mm. within like a week or two, they they were out after that doctrine came down. Yeah, um, I that has happened to uh, family members of mine who were super devout, attending church every Sunday, every family gathering that we attended. They were always talking about church, and of course that happens. You know, most mm-hmm. of my family is very devout LDS, and so it was always talking about church and their callings and what they're doing in the church, all that kind of shit, and. Yeah, when when the LDS Church came out with that, they were out within a month. Yeah, so that's yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing all kinds of stories about that, talking about more of those things in particular. Um, but we have run long on this episode, and it's time to end. But this has been great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to our future episodes about this. That'll be a lot of fun. Before we go, though, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because. They keep the show going. Uh, that would be two skeptical chaps. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. A perfectly cromulent statement. Alan Firth. All hail Peneth Buttra. Doug Willoughby. John McCullough. Ollie Olson. Sinead Duffy. Sir Roses of the River. Steve Kuno. Stephen Andrus. Celia, the trumpeting satanic bitch. I'm making voices. <laughs> Ted Sellen. Tiffany Hudson. Vanessa. Clank Trucking. Corey Ebert. Uh, don't be a Richard. Freethinker215. Good news, everyone. Jeremy Goodson. Jonathan. Mackenz Peterson. Marben Dracone. Martina Fern. Is that a new one? New yes. last week. Yeah, yeah, she was new last week. I'm, ah, I'm, okay. I'm very glad to see that she's a Patreon patron. I like Martina a lot. I, uh, Steve Kuno introduced me to her at the American Atheists Convention this year. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks for, yeah. thanks for following us. Thanks for helping out, Martina. She's very cool. I like her a lot. Uh, Megan Mitchell. Not a fucking gymnast. The next Patreon is an updog. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Zeus, 9SO. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. 
Sarah Segovia. Savita Kuna. Socialized healthcare saved my life. Still want to hear that story. Yeah, me uh, too. Tim Jacobson. James. And Rick and Morty want you to please support Freedom from Religion Foundation. Wubba lubba dub dub. Woohoo! Thank you all very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode, and then you get all kinds of fun stuff. You get the episode released before everybody else. You get extended versions of the episode, extended outtakes, clips from the cutting room floor, bonus episodes every now and then, and the knowledge that you are keeping the show going by helping us pay the bills to do so. So thank you all very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you guys for joining me. This oh, was fun. Yeah. I like I like talking about this stuff. And yeah. it, we didn't have to write anything today, too. That was also very <laughs> nice. I had a busy weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go do stuff. Stuff sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Have a good have a good time. See you next week. Going crazy. I can hear Lulu outside the door going. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Satan's little minion on this one. God's helper. Yeah. Okay. Let me change this. Back to this guy. Okay. It would be funny if you forgot that was on for an entire episode. Of <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. <laughs> <laughs>